Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. My name is Tracy Ariel and I am unapologetically Canadian. Today we are talking with Joanne Gervais, and Joanne and I know each other because we are passionate genealogists, and she is the founder of a society, a nonprofit society that I'm happily a member of. So, Joanne, maybe uh, we can start by having you introduce how you got into genealogy and uh, a little bit about the society. Well, sure, Tracy. Thanks. Well, it's a quite a long story, actually, but I, I became interested in genealogy while helping my husband who retired in uh, 2008 and wanted to write a book about his mother's family for his mother's 90th birthday. So I was a little hesitant because he wanted me to do the research uh, on his family because he knew nothing about his mother's, uh, mother's family past his grandmother. So I did all the research for him up to his third great-grandparents, including searching for family stories, uh, finding the houses um, his ancestors lived in, um, the actual establishments they worked in. Uh, his mom came from England, so researching his ancestors was, uh, was a really good excuse for us to take a trip to England. <laughs> so we did some research there. Yeah, we actually, I, I said, okay, if we want to do the research properly, um, we have to go to England. So we went there to where his mom was uh, born, to the little villages where his ancestors lived, we actually knocked on the doors of these houses and uh, asked uh, for tours of the inside of the homes and the grounds uh, outside. And uh, these people were only too happy to uh, show us around. So this type of research was fascinating for me. It was like, wow, you know, we can actually see, uh, visit a, a home that uh, his great-grandparents lived in and uh, what they did, They were if they were farming or if they were a butcher and so on and the, and the, and the place they worked in. So it really helped to um, to explain in detail uh, my husband's book. It added a lot of color to his book about his family and and the and the family stories. So um, that was a wonderful experience in 2008. So promptly after that, because my husband retired, I said, "Well, I might as well retire too." So I left the corporate world of information technology and uh, dedicated myself to genealogical research. So that's the story. Wow. And now I understand you live in a uh, Saint-Bruno-de-Montreville, Quebec, which is just on the south shore of Montreal. Um, does that uh, does that town, uh, did you pick a small town to live in because of all, all of this historical background in small villages in, in uh, England? Or was that just by chance? No, that was just by chance. I actually was working on the south shore in a large uh uh, company at uh, Pratt and Whitney Canada, and uh, that's where we had. Uh, that's where I had. I had lived in Long Ale, and uh, working close to the company, and eventually moved to Saint Bruno. Ah, okay. So let's talk about uh, your next uh, adventure, which was founding the Quebec Genealogy Genealogical E Society, which is a bit kind of a different. Uh, 
I mean, it's a nonprofit like any other genealogical society is in Canada, but it's a little bit different. Can you describe it a bit and uh, talk about what, what, you know, a little bit about your journey in this new uh, nonprofit world? Yeah, well, the, the uh, Quebec Genealogical E-Society didn't uh, come about uh, quickly. That It was a, uh, a long-term project, and uh, the idea of it, um, the idea of it was more of a necessity and I guess they sometimes say necessity is the mother of invention, and that was definitely the case for me. Uh, my local genealogical society was about an hour's drive from my home. So as I mentioned, I live in St. Bruno de Monterville, and I was going to Point Claire to, the, uh, to that society there. And uh, having to cross the bridge into Montreal every time I wanted to go um, took me about um, an hour depending on weather and traffic, and an hour coming back. So I would spend uh, two hours driving, and then combined with the time I spent at the society, it was a full day. So that was um, always a bit of a dilemma for me, and I thought, well, there must be a better way. And uh, the society wasn't always open when I wanted to do research. So um I'm a, I'm a, sometimes an early bird and sometimes uh, uh, I like to work late at night. So the more I stood over my problem, the more I realized that I couldn't possibly be the only one having difficulty getting to the local society. So, well, Tracy, what I really did was I felt long and hard for several months as to why I no longer wanted to visit my society. Oh, no. <laughs> so I had, yeah, so I thought, well, these societies, local societies are so important. I don't want to take that away from people. It's so important to do genealogical research. But I eventually came up with this theory of uh, can'ts, wants, and the won'ts. And the can'ts are those who can't visit their local society because maybe it is too far away or the society isn't open when they're available, so they can't get to it. And the wants are those who want more than what the uh, physical society can offer them. They want to have the society open uh, when they're ready to do the research. And the won'ts are those who won't visit a society because um, it's not really their cup of tea or it's not really their uh, fit their lifestyle. I, ha I have four grandchildren, uh, Tracy, and they're all teenagers. So way back uh, a couple of years ago, I would be going to the, uh, to the society or to the archives downtown, and my grandchildren would say, or my one of my granddaughters would say, Nana, why are you going to a library or a archive <laughs> center? Can't you do that on your phone? Can't you do the research through your iPad or your phone? And she would always tell me that. And it was like, oh, no, Isabella, I really have to go. And that really bothered me that every time I, had to, I was going and she knew I was going, she'd bring that up. So I thought, okay, so maybe, maybe she's got something there. This is the next generation that uh, we want to share in our genealogical uh, uh, research, and we want them to continue. Now the problem was more clear in my mind that, um, hey, wait a minute, there's got to be a better way. So um, there you go. The idea came to me about two years ago, and here we are today with the Quebec Genealogical E-Society with members from all over the world. And they can access and uh, access the website and research their ancestors without leaving the comfort of their homes and without having to spend hundreds or sometimes thousands of dollars to uh, hire a researcher to do it for them. 
Well, and what's fascinating about this particular uh, e-society is that it functions bilingually. We just gave a course, uh, a webinar. They can even take courses anytime they want by uh, signing into a webinar, which is kind of cool too. So, and it operates both in French and in English. Uh, how many members do you have and uh, roughly how does it break down in terms of the two languages? We have about, well, as of today, we have over 200 members. I think it's actually 212 members. And right now, um, we have about 43% of our members, uh, of the 212 members, are Francophone, French-speaking. Uh, these are ones that choose or chose to uh, register in French and use the um, French screens. And we and the rest are Anglophone members. So the majority are Anglophone uh, people who... Um, who come mostly from the United States and from um, Ontario and the other provinces in Canada who wish to do their research, uh, research on their Quebec ancestors. Right. Yeah. Well, because so many uh, North American ancestors started up or started off or passed through Quebec uh, sometime during their lifetime. So that it is worth doing genealogical research in the province, regardless of where you live in North America. <clears throat> Don't you? Wouldn't you say that? Yes, and actually, it's it's funny that you mentioned that because um, uh, people in the province of Quebec, uh, people that have French Canadian ancestry, uh, are so passionate about their about their ancestors. They're so passionate about genealogy, and. Um, I don't want people to get the wrong impression here of why I created the uh, e-society because people who live in the province of Quebec are so fortunate because we have such robust uh, databases uh, for birth, uh, birth records, marriage records, and death records. And most French-speaking communities have a local genealogical society. Almost every French-speaking community or, or community in the province of Quebec that I know of has a genealogical society in their community or very close by. Yeah, or or, so, or a heritage uh, society. There's a lot of heritage societies. Too. Yes, uh, yes, or or heritage societies that have access uh, that they can do some research and have access to computers, etc. So we are extremely fortunate in the province of Quebec, and uh, my my main focus was people living outside of the province of Quebec who could not get here because of the uh, because of travel and uh, or the language barrier, and uh, so that's who the main focus was at the time. When we right, launched right. Uh, well, last and, year, but some of us in Quebec have still joined just because we uh, love working online and we like connecting to the people who um, from all over the uh, North America and and the world because there's a lot of people who um, have ancestors that may have come through Quebec and they may not even live in North America anymore. So. Right, right. Actually, it's funny uh, because I thought the main focus would be people living outside of the province of Quebec uh, in other provinces in Canada and of course the United States and the and the rest of the world. And we have a lot of uh, people, a lot of Quebecers who have joined, which is uh, which is amazing because I thought, well, gee, this is great that they're joining. Uh, uh, and I sometimes would ask them, well, do you do you have a local genealogical society, and why is it that you're not going there? Because I I need to understand a little bit better as well how we could um, how we can improve the functionality and uh, maybe add some more features to for people that are, are looking for um, other ways of doing research. And, and what do they say? Have you, have you got any responses to those uh, kinds of questions yet? Well, sometimes I get the response that, yes, I, I do. Uh, a lot of the people in the province of Quebec um, are, have joined or still are members of um, their local societies and, and more than one society. 
And I always try and promote that the Quebec Genealogical E-Society is not the only tool that you should use to um, research your ancestors, but it's one of many tools that you can use. So when I ask people the question, they say, well, I... I have a brick wall at this point and I can't find it in, you know, society A, B, or C. So I'm hoping that if I join your society that um, I can find more information because we have over um, 500 resource links uh, throughout the province of uh, Quebec and divided into the 17 regions of Quebec. It's hard to explain o over the telephone, but these 500 resource links are um, links that could help people um, get information that's not really related to a birth record or a marriage record or a death record, such as uh, passenger lists, uh, such as, um, I'm thinking off the top of my head, uh, we have all kinds directories. of newspapers, digital newspapers, uh, telephone directories, uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I mean, I've uh, used some of these resources, so I find <laughs> it, uh, and, and I think it's also helpful just having a a group of people who actually want to, they, they, by joining the society in part, they're saying, I want to learn digitally. I want to learn all these new virtual tools too. That's true as well. Our, our webinar functionality is uh, fairly new technology. Not everyone's uh, aware of it, but uh, we do webinars for new members uh, twice a month, uh, one in French and uh, one in English. That helps our new members um, learn what all the what all the features of the society uh, are, and we also uh, encourage our members to give the uh, to 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 give the webinars and share their expertise and share their knowledge with other members. And uh, we're all learning at the same time, so it's uh, so it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and I have to say, as uh, someone who just gave my first webinar in French last night, it was uh, definitely a thrilling experience. There were the questions were fabulous, and it was uh, much uh, less. Uh, anxiety-ridden than I, than I was originally thinking it might be. <laughs> <laughs> and you did it from the comfort of your home, and it didn't matter what you were wearing. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> Although I shared my video because I liked seeing you people. Did. <laughs> <laughs> so you did. I actually had to wear real clothes. <laughs> but uh, and, and now we should just talk a little bit about your um, business in genealogy, too, because uh, since leaving the corporate world, uh, you have your own company, and you're um, specializing in Quebec genealogical research for some very interesting um, organizations. Uh, can you talk a little bit about maybe one of the case studies that you uh, handled for one of these groups and who they are and, and why you got into that? Right. So when I first um, when I first retired, it was like, oh, gosh, OK, now what am I going to do? I really like to do genealogical research. So I um, applied to various genealogical, uh, large genealogical firms in um in the United States, uh, namely Ancestry.com, uh, LegacyTree.com, and Genealogist.com. Uh, those three companies um, provide research uh, facilities for people that want to hire them to do to research their families. So this was uh, this was quite interesting because I received a lot of contracts from Ancestry, and. Uh, I can't think off the top of my head, Tracy. You know some really interesting cases, but they all. But they all um, were related to uh, uh, to uh, people living in the United States who had uh, traced their ancestries to a certain point and then realized that their ancestors came uh, from France in the 1600s to the province of Quebec, uh, lived in the province of Quebec for a few generations, and then migrated uh, into the uh, to the U.S. So uh, 
for example, Ancestry.com would uh, contact me and say, can you continue the research uh, to their first immigrant that came, uh, that came, to, uh, that came from France? Right. So I would do that last bit of research. And uh, it, it was really interesting. I really, really enjoyed that. Um, I, didn't, I didn't do any research in France myself because I thought, no, I wanted to have a niche and I wanted to specialize only in uh, Quebec research. But after I did that for a few years, that's another thing that brought me to the point of um, the Quebec Genealogical E-Society because I realized that uh, my clients uh, or the clients of uh, Ancestry.com and LegacyTree.com and Genealogist.com, those clients of theirs were paying thousands of dollars to have their their families, family trees or their ancestors researched. And I thought, oh my, you know, this is uh, such a lucrative business. But uh, why should somebody spend so much money um, when it's so easy in the province of Quebec to research your your ancestors, um, especially if if you are um, if you do have French Canadian ancestors? Right. So that was a that was kind of a, one of my trends. Was okay. I want I do have my own business. I wa- I wa- I was working. I still am working as a contractor for these firms. But I really want to recommend to the clients, the clients that I'm that I'm aware of that contact me directly, I want to orient them to towards doing their research themselves versus hiring right. a researcher, if they're capable of doing the research themselves. So some people are not capable or not that computer lit- literate or or are advanced in their in their senior years, and uh, don't want to do it themselves. But for the ones that are capable, I really do encourage them instead of hiring me. Um, or that they'll hire me for a couple of hours and I'll, I'll say, here's how you right. could do it yourself versus, you know, me spending 20 hours or more researching their tree for them. So that was um, really gratifying to me to say, okay, now we have the society, it's up and running. Here's how, what, here's what you can do yourself. Now I noticed also your, um, your, uh, Certified genealogist? Yeah, I'm a member of the Association of Professional Genealogists, and that's an association that's uh, based in um, in Salt Lake City, Utah. And I joined that association uh, when I first started in uh, 2008 or 2009, in the early years, uh, just so I can learn more about um, how to professionally research uh, for a client and how to do my sources and how to uh, write uh, research reports. So I've been to Salt Lake City uh, multiple times for the Association of Professional Genealogists conferences uh, to learn more about um, how to better, how to uh, improve my, uh, my research skills. So I am still to this day a member of the Association of Professional Genealogists. And uh, actually a few of our members um, are creating a Canadian chapter. We're in the process uh, just this year, actually, as we speak. Uh, we've had meetings the last week and this week to create a, a Canadian chapter for the Association of Professional Genealogists. Oh, wow, that's exciting. So uh, you'll be looking to, uh, basically, now you're involved in two nonprofits. And you'll be spreading your, uh, now that you'll be working more in Quebec to get members of that, I assume. Yes, yes. And what it, what it really is, is for, um, we really don't have a, an umbrella group in Canada to help genealogists uh, research, to answer questions. You know, if people in the in Nova Scotia have questions uh, about how to research in uh, in Nova Scotia or you know British Columbia, we don't have a an umbrella organization that can help genealogists uh, in various aspects. Um, 
doing research in, in different provinces or um, doing estate researching, uh, which is forensic genealogy, um, that kind of thing. So we're, we're hoping that we can create an umbrella group for all of Canada where genealogists can join and then um, we can share our expertise and say, okay, here in Quebec, this is what we do. And somebody in Saskatchewan will say, well, in Saskatchewan, you know, here's what we do if we want to look for a uh, particular marriage record uh, in, you know, 1920 type of right. thing. Because every province is a little different in, in uh, the databases that they have and what's available to, uh, to people. Yeah, as a journalist, I've found the same thing when it comes to land records, which are really related to genealogical records. Um, every, every, every province has a different system, a different uh, group of requirements if you want to get access to various uh, records. So I assume it's the same in the... So are you um, accredited or how does it, how does it work? Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. I'm not, I'm not, not accredited. Uh, there's a lot of courses that you can take to be accredited. And I did start doing courses uh, with the um, with the Association of Professional Genealogists. And there's also an institute in, uh, in Toronto called the National Institute of Genealogical uh, um, uh, Research, where you can get courses in, from, uh, from Canada, in Canada. Right. And they're online. Um, and I never finished. I never did get accredited. And um, I kind of regret that in a way. But then I got I was so occupied and so busy with uh, my, uh, my own firm, uh, that I never got around to get an accredited. So no, I am not accredited uh, as a as a professional genealogist. I don't have the letters behind my name to say that uh, yes, I'm an accredited genealogist. Oh, it's so funny because I've always considered uh, doing that as well, and I've started I started a file to start doing it at one point, and then I keep putting it aside and bring it back. It's almost a, um, and maybe at one point we'll have to set up a little group and do it all together. <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh, it's really interesting to do it, and I really enjoyed taking courses, but it's to find the time to, to do them and to complete them and to actually put it on our to-do list to say, yes, okay, now I'm going to do it and I'm going to finish it. And I, I did start, as I mentioned, uh, twice uh, uh, with two different organizations. Yeah, it's, a rigorous, and, uh, it's a rigorous goal. It's like you really have to set a decent amount of time aside. I actually have to finish two books before I've decided I'm going to do it again. But <laughs> it's like, there's no, you know, it has to be, uh, it, it, you have to put aside a, a certain amount of time in a, in a very limited, you know, b because they ask you to complete all of the tasks within a certain time, amount of time. So you have to make sure you have time to do that properly. Yes, yes. And, and actually the ones I started in Salt Lake City the dilemma was that in order to actually get accredited and to get your final uh, course completed, you actually had to go to Salt Lake City. You had to present uh, all the um, all the information that you collected uh, as part of your uh, course assignments and spend, I think, three days there to get and then have them review it and, and pass a little test and get accredited. Yeah. So um, yeah. that was in itself, you know, having to travel to Salt Lake City to get that done was like, okay, well, maybe I don't really want to travel uh, in February or whenever the time frame was. I've been uh, many times and uh, it just didn't suit suit my schedule. Yeah. Well, mine, I want to set it up and at a time so when I can set it up about two years in advance so that I can make sure that that time appears at the same time as the Roots Conference. 
Oh, there you go. <laughs> but it's like, that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> but, uh, um, is there anything? We'll try it together. Yeah, exactly. I think it could be really fun because there's several of us in the uh, Genealogy Ensemble group who have been thinking that we should do it too. I mean, it's a, it, it's definitely a task that if you're a, an avid genealogical researcher, you do want to um, show that you can do it. <laughs> So, but uh, was there any question that you were hoping I would ask you that I didn't ask? Um, about genealogical research or the E-Society? Um, no, I don't. Or about you and your journey in okay. this field. Well, it has been a, been a very rewarding journey. Um, that has to be um, my biggest uh, adventure and my big, biggest success because uh, it was the most difficult project that I've ever undertaken on my own. And I had a very uh, big career in the technology, information technology uh, environment. And I worked in that environment for over 30 years, over 25 years. And, um, but you're always in a team. You're always, uh, you're always working with other people, with colleagues. So in this case, um, it was me, myself, and I, pretty much. And my husband, of course, who was supporting me all the way. But uh, it really was a, a huge uh, undertaking. And I'm, uh, I'm so proud of it. And I'm so pleased that people are, um, are using it and appreciating it. And uh, I'm always looking for ideas from, from our members and other people to say, okay, well, you know, how about if you put this on or add that on? And uh, we are adding something brand new. Just It's just coming up uh, soon. It's called... Um, our members forum it's like a message board much like roots uh, roots um web message boards or ancestry message oh, board cool. so we will have a message board soon on our um website where members can uh, post their brick walls and ask questions to other members so that's uh, we're in the final testing stages right now with our software de developer so that's going to be um up any day now hopefully by the end of february so uh yeah, that is very exciting because I think everyone, everyone who does genealogical research or are researching their ancestors, uh, always reach a brick wall somewhere, somewhere, <laughs> and they're always asking questions. Yeah. Well, and also just talking about what you're doing uh, with other people who are as a fanatic as, uh, as you are about it can be helpful so that your family members don't get bored. Yes, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Because when you talk about it to other people, you know, they're my friends. None of my friends are genealogists, my close friends. And, you know, yeah. they say, what, are you, what have you been doing lately? I said, well, I've been working like 12-hour days every day for the past month on this. And their eyes just blank over, you know. They say, oh, Okay. <laughs> Okay, and then they change the subject, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And until you get to the point where you can present a story, it, it can be a little mind-numbing, <laughs> the number of details that we go into. Um, and as you know, the last question that I always have for my podcast, because it's called Unapologetically Canadian, is do you consider yourself a Canadian? And if so, what does that mean to you? Gosh, I was thinking about that. Uh, and the funny thing is, I took my grandkids out for your... Uh, lunch yesterday because it was a snow day here and I uh, I quizzed them and these are my two grandkids uh, I have four these two grandkids were 15 and, and 13 and I asked them I said uh, do you consider yourself Canadian and you know from these are from teenagers and it was really interesting that the the answers that gave and they said uh, well yes of course Nana we're Canadian 
I said, yes, but do you consider yourself to be a Canadian? And they had such interesting answers, which really, um, which really fascinated me at that age. Um, but to answer your question for me, I think first and foremost, I consider myself to be a Quebecer. Uh, I was born here in Quebec, as were my two brothers. Um, my parents were also born here. But I haven't lived in Quebec all my life because my dad was in the Canadian Armed Forces. So we grew up um, living in various places across Canada. And most recently, my parents uh, retired in, uh, in uh, Nova Scotia. Most recently, well, the last 20 years, my dad retired in, uh, in Nova Scotia. So I, I truly, I'm a Quebecer, but I do truly consider myself a Canadian. Um, living in various towns across Canada really showed me the expanse of the country and how culturally diverse we are. And we're so open to different walks of life, you know, religions, politics, and interests. And being in, a, in these different towns, uh, I always thought, and going to different schools, because I had to go to different schools. I must have changed schools five or six times. People are so darn friendly to each other, no matter what province or, or town we, we lived in. So um, I, really, I really think that is a Canadian, Canadian way of life. I do have a little, little, uh, little story, though, if we have time. Yeah, of course we have time. Go ahead. All right. Okay. So um, talking about my husband writing a book about his mom's family, he also wrote a, wrote a book about his father and his father's life during World War II. Uh, his father joined um, this regiment in Montreal. Darn, what was the name of it? Um, Fusilier, Fusilier Montréal Regiment in 1940. And eventually his dad uh, embarked on the deep raid in France in uh, 1942. So in, uh, I think it was around uh, 2011 or 2012, we uh, dedicated uh, a 47-day journey to follow my husband's father, my father-in-law, his footsteps during World War II. Wow. And we started, we started from uh, Pier 21 in Halifax, where my, uh, my husband's dad, um, his regiment left uh, to, go to, to, to go to Europe. And he actually didn't go to Europe right away. The ship went to Iceland. So we went to Iceland. We followed, we, we knew the regiment. We, we um, researched the regiment in detail as to where they went. And we followed exactly where the regiment went all the way throughout World War II. So we went to Iceland. We went to Scotland. We went to England, uh, uh, France. And his father was taken prisoner of war in the Dieppe raid, and he spent three years in prisoner of war camps. So we went to Germany and Poland, where his father was incarcerated for three years and visited the locations of the prisoner of war camps. And what I wanted to say here is that in every country we went to, once people we met knew we were Canadians, they embraced us as if we were long-lost members of their family. It was just so emotional. And by embracing, I mean... You know, they actually physically hugged us and kissed us and said, uh, uh, thank you, thank you for your, the, the role that uh, Canadians played uh, during the war. And they would invite us to their homes. They would uh, show us around their town if we were having uh, difficulties, you know, finding, for example, some, some camps, the prisoner of war camps that no longer existed. It was so very emotional. And um, I've never felt ever so proud to be a Canadian as to when we when we did this journey it was just a, it was just so amazing and and for people to say oh my gosh you're canadian you know and giving us these big hugs and uh, kisses and and saying okay how about you if we want to contact you that kind of thing and these are just strangers strangers you meet on the street 
Wow. Isn't that fun? What, what year was that that you did that trip? And you did 47 days. We did it 47 days. We spent 47 days and we followed uh, the, um, the footsteps of my, uh, my husband's father in the, in the war. Um, that was in 2012. 2012. Wow. What a wonderful experience. You know that I'm working on a book about World War II and how Canada changed due to that war. Oh, yeah. no, I didn't know that. Yes, I am. Yeah. So if, uh, we'll have to have a, a little sharing uh, thing. I'd love to see the pictures and hear all about that in more detail. It's a really fabulous trip. Yeah. Did, you, uh, did you produce anything about it? Like, do you have a, I don't know, a book or a, um, a, vi a video or anything that you did as a result of that trip? Yes, we produced two books actually after that. So my husband wrote the book, actually wrote the book about his father's life uh, during World War Two. Oh, fabulous. So it's a... Uh, yeah, it started when um, his father. Um, um, it's a it's a really nice story. It's a really great story. Starting when his father was a child, not really the early years, but when he uh, why he joined, and his father never talked about the war. As most people uh, who are who you know were involved in the war, they don't speak about it afterwards. His father never talked about it. So uh, we had to do all the research ourselves and ask other war veterans uh, who were part of his regiment. Um, you know, some information. So we went to um, um, the um, the Veterans Hospital, St. Anne's Veterans Hospital in St. Anne's, and found some veterans that were part of his regiment, you know, interviewed them, and uh, inter interviewed one of his close friends. Uh, get, definitely give me the links to all of those materials, and I'll put them into the show notes, too, if people are interested, right. um, which I certainly am. <laughs> Thank yeah, you so, so much, Joanne. This was a great interview. Thank you for listening to Unapologetically Canadian. This episode was brought to you by Kobo. Use my affiliate link from the show notes for $5 off your first order today. Lucky Land Slots, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.